ladies and gentlemen, and all genders outside and in between. Welcome back to Thirsty Work, the all-new sex education podcast. Tonight we're going to be talking to Katie Peters Plays about her very different upbringing and how that's affected her life. And who knows, we may find out something new. Ooh, it's Thirsty Work. Hello, you delightful individuals, you spectacular specimens of humankind. Welcome on in. How are you doing? How's it going? Thank you very much for coming and joining us over here at Thirsty Work. Very much appreciated. Without any further ado, let us bring in our wonderful guest today, the wonderful Katie Peters Plays. Hello, you glorious bean. How's it going? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this because we've had this in the works for like a month now. Yeah. Maybe even more. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit longer. Maybe a little bit longer. My, My life is chaotic so <laughs> it's, it's, i'm the same way i gotta plan things out months in advance mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, i yeah, feel I'm excited that. to be here very very strongly to be quite honest with you because i approached you originally because i was like oh mm-hmm. it'd be really cool to have somebody from across the pond to talk about the differences between like uk sex education and american sex education and that would be really cool and then you were like so about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i you got i got the message and i was like I talked to my husband. I was like, I don't, I can't, I I want to help, but I can't. And so I was like, I'm just going to tell Valen what my situation was. And then you're like, that would be interesting to talk about. Cause I was like, yeah, if you need to find somebody else, I get it. <laughs> Not even so, slightly. I loved it. I loved it. Cause it, well, it was, it wasn't what I was expecting by any stretch of the imagination, but it was like, oh, this is, this is hugely intriguing. Please, if you're happy to yeah. talk about it, can we, can we talk about it some more? Would that be good? Yeah, I'm excited to actually talk about it. And also just maybe somebody out there can relate to it. I think that that is a huge thing because it is not something people expect, you know, like I think people think I had my normal high school uh, experience and I definitely did not have that. Well, do you want to tell us more about how you didn't have that normal high school experience? Yeah, I moved a lot when I was a kid. Um, I think in total we moved seven or eight times. Um, before I was 16. And so um, I grew up in New York and then we moved up to New England and then we moved out West to Montana. So I moved a lot as a kid. And um, in that time I went to school, um, like went to actual traditional school until fifth grade. And then my parents decided to homeschool us. How how old is fifth grade? Oh my God. I feel like I, let me check. (laughs) I feel like I should know that. Uh, Fifth grade age usa um 11 about 11 11. years old okay all right yeah yeah. so i went to school i went to a very small school from second to fourth grade and then my parents just decided hey we're going to homeschool you and uh, my mom does have a degree in education and so she did the homeschooling for the first bit and then um, in high school we started getting a mail away program that you get dvds of classroom like actual classrooms and you'd get mailed the exams you'd get mailed um the curriculum and then we my mom would facilitate that but i would sit and literally put in dvd after dvd of classrooms and it was a christian program so okay there was a church class always built in or some sort of religious class built in but then spanish i would have to memorize bible verses in spanish as part of my assignments I mean, and one then way to learn the language i suppose yeah, and Have then you there's also spoken to any Spanish people and just <laughs> dictated. I've forgotten so. most of Spanish, <laughs> unfortunately. And then I, I have been doing Duolingo a little bit to try to mm-hmm. just 
I don't know. Part of me is like, I don't want neurocognitive disease when I'm older. So I'm like, this is good for my brain. <laughs> so I've been doing it for that. But All some of, of it did things. stick. I know okay. I'm kind of a weirdo like that. But I very much had a different experience. So say I had a biology class. Mm-hmm. You know, abstinence was very much taught in that because it was like, Jesus is watching. Jesus watching. That's unnerving. But, you know, keep going. <laughs> that's not good for later in life when you're like, oh, you're married now and you're supposed to just have, you know, sex and it's fine. Um, but Jesus is watching uh, all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I watched DVDs and um, did that from freshman year to senior. And so then by the time I was done with high school and I went out into college, it was a little bit of a shock to the system. And your college but, is like our university. So like 18, 19 yeah. time. Yeah. 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 So it's 18 to 22 generally. Um, yeah. If you're a traditional yeah. student. So, yeah. That sounds about like like our university level. So you, you had been like homeschooled from 11 through till 18? Pretty much. Yes. And the last time while we had moved this was the second to last move no third to last move um we moved from new hampshire to um montana and uh that was a cross-country move obviously so my last year before we moved two houses i've just moved a lot so i'm trying to like keep the timeline um but one of the places we stayed for a long period of time was in a very small town Mm -hmm. very few people um and since I was homeschooled, I didn't really know a lot of kids and we had moved a lot. So I didn't have a lot of friendships, if you will. Yeah. So I'm very independent because I was literally my sister and I kind of just alone for yeah, most of else. my education. Yeah. yeah. And um, I worked. I worked at an ice cream shop or at a pancake place. But I, as I'm older, I realize like that's not the same as having like a group of friends to go out with and learn things from or have experiences with so i had very limited um i guess limited time with other people it was mostly just my family and so i was homeschooled and in that situation so i had a very not worldly view or really like traditional education specifically about sex but probably about a lot of other things too so Um, yeah yeah. there's definitely a lot to do with Especially if, like, um, the a lot of the education you got was specifically from a Christian um, educational board, because having grown up um, Irish Catholic, and and although I'm not a believer now, um, I definitely bought into it much as a kid. And even yeah. like the the comprehensive schools, like that we went to as as children, I went to Catholic primary school, Catholic secondary school, and. I even studied theology because I was so interested in other religions and stuff like that. But all we got taught was Christianity. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, like I, I studied this to learn about Hinduism. I studied this to learn about uh, Muslim and, and, and everything. I had like all these different uh, Islam and what have you. And, and it just, it was like, no, you're going to learn the history of Catholicism and you're going to learn the ethics of Catholicism and the philosophy of Catholicism. And I was like, wow, varied. So I yes. can imagine <laughs> like especially if you've got like these DVDs out there that that it sounds very isolating is what it sounds it it my experience in retrospect it was very isolating i feel like between all the religious stuff there was a decent education like mm-hmm. it was i did learn a lot like i learned algebra and like all those the things that you learn in high school but 
Um, I think I missed out a little bit on having having more interactions in the real world and having more of that back and forth with like kids my own age, honestly, yeah. and just kind of having a little bit more diversity in my life besides just like what I did every day. I was a pretty sad kid and I feel like I would just get up late and I would watch these DVDs because I had nowhere else to go. I had no, nothing else to do. And so I would just watch these DVDs and then do that on repeat every day. Yeah, because that's, I suppose that's one of those things. And I think about it a lot now because I'm very much a work addict. I, I get up and I work and go to bed and then get up and work again. Um, and I don't get to see people very often, but I can imagine it being a very similar situation. Is like, I got nothing else to do, so I'm going to get up and do schooling. That's that's mm -hmm. basically what it comes down to because you don't have that, as well as you don't have those connections. And I suppose that's quite hard, really, because how how was it when you went to college then, like with the social dynamics? Because, geez, if you, if you had no frequent um acquaintances uh like social groups and what have you from like the age of 11 through to 18 like you i can only imagine that the a lot of the chit chat getting to know each other uh, icebreakers all of these little subtle things were were almost alien to you and obviously i'm I mean, very much <laughs> making assumptions <laughs> there but yeah well one of the things too is uh when we moved to Montana, I started going to a youth group, which is also another religious mm -hmm. avenue. Um, but all those kids went to school together. So I'd get invited to some things, but it was always church related. And it always felt like I was, a lot of times I feel like I'm on the outside looking in and I'm trying, I feel alien sometimes. Like I just so deeply want to crave that connection with people. But I also have like the insecurities of being like, oh, am I, am I a bother? Am I, am I annoying somebody? Like just Things that I feel like most people probably have dealt with and went through in high school and stuff. I'm learning now as an adult or at 18, 19, 20, 21, trying to figure out the drinking, the partying, like all of that stuff that I was not exposed to at all. And um, so when did you just want first go for a party? Now I'm intrigued. Oh, I, I held I went to parties, but I was like, I'm not drinking. I'm not doing any of this. Mm -mm, you can't make me. And then I think freshman year, there was a point I had a warm beer. I remember my first beer. It was disgusting. But I think in some ways I, I got it out of my system fairly quickly. I think freshman year was the, the year I got that all out of my system. But I think I just wanted to connect with people and partying was something that people had connections with um, or formed connections with each other with. And so I kind of went okay, maybe this isn't so bad. I'd probably change a few things about how I went about it, but I, I feel like that was the most rebellious I think I've ever gotten in my life. It's just underage drinking in college. And, but I, I literally so, but feel like it was- your underage drinking is different from our underage because are you talking 21? No, I was, 21's the legal drinking age here. 18 okay. is illegal. I know it's 18 is legal where you are, right? Yeah, but I've been drinking since the age of 10, so I can't really argue. Like- <laughs> I had I think I had one sip, one or two sips of alcohol before then. So like that was like a new mm. foray into wild and out. I guess. Yeah. Well, this this is it's really interesting to hear from this dynamic because from my perspective, like I had my first drink of alcohol when I was ten, 
um, <laughs> somebody in my family was like, you've reached double figures, have a beer. And I was like, cool, amazing, have, have a beer. And I think they were expecting me to hate it, but I just kept drinking out of stubbornness. Um, and then I was going to like nightclubs at 14. So I was like fully going out, having wild times and, and partying. But as a result, by the time that like you'd equivalently started drinking and partying at 18, 19, I'd sort of grown out of it at that point. I was just like, I'll still go for a few drinks and a beer, but God, I, I hate these 18 year olds. And I'm like 18 myself. God, that's, that's so immature. Oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic. I, I don't think I've ever been to a nightclub. You've never been to a nightclub? Like, at, at all? No. Was it, like, bars and stuff like that? I've been to, to bars count. I've been to bars, but I've never been to a nightclub. Well, I suppose it, it's different, because in the UK we have, Montana like, didn't have a pubs. ton of nightclubs, too. <laughs> I, I mean, Which is where perhaps. I went to college, so. All right, okay. I was about to say, I don't, I don't know much about the, the states. That I've had limited yeah. experience over there. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so you, you've never been to a nightclub. So your experiences was like bars, having a drink, bit of a dance. Yeah, well, no, a lot of it was <laughs> when you're underage, you're drinking at friends' houses or trying to hide it so that you don't get in trouble. Um, I did get written up because I was really bad at not getting caught. Um, <laughs> well, I suppose you you wouldn't have had the the social practice with people. Um, to... I also had a lot of guilt, like a lot of guilt, and so I think in some ways maybe I wanted to get caught so that mm. I could get the punishment that I felt that I deserved for doing it. Yeah, no, that does make a lot of sense. Okay, let's 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 step back a few a few steps. What was the what was your sex education? Like what, what, how, because obviously we talked about the homeschool and stuff like that, but what was that? Was it on the DVD? Did you speak to a parent or relative? It was combo of both parent and DVD. But since it was a religious program, it was just very much, here's really basic biology. Like, I don't even remember learning about much of the physiological changes, just that you don't have sex. It was almost like too taboo to really include a very in-depth coursework on what sex is. It's just kind of like, well, you're humans, and so here's a little bit about your biology, but we're going to move on to other stuff, other health things, not really focus that much on the sex. And it was very abstinence only on so the DVDs. What, what are we talking here? Like, uh, they talk about periods, penetration, make baby, or... I don't even think it went that deep. Like, oh, I mean... What? Like, I didn't know I, periods are very taboo. Um, I feel like people talk about that more, which I kind of appreciate because it was so bare bones that I feel like I walked away from it more confused than I went in actually oh, wow. feeling like I knew what was going on. And so going through, when I got my period, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't prepped for it. I had a friend when I was still going to school who told us, did you know women get periods? And I thought she was playing a practical joke. She read it in a book until she was relaying the information to me. And I was like, that doesn't happen. And then it happened. And I was like, what is this? And so my talk about my period happened like after I got it. Oh, um, and so then also our sex talk, it was my sister and I <laughs> and my mom. And it was, it was very much walking away from you don't have sex before you're married and 
my my main takeaway and as an adult what i remember the most is feeling like sex is gross and sex is a gross thing and that you only do it when you're married but so growing up a lot of what i grew up in that headspace of is sex is is dirty kind of thing and it is a gross act so that and is... that's something that is hard to unlearn yeah no oh, completely and utterly i it, it's a i find it fascinating because i was always taught my, my parents were very uh open-minded and liberal and even with like the catholic upbringing they were just like so long as you're safe like that's that's what matters um mm -hmm. and they were always very open to to talking about stuff with me i wasn't open to talking about stuff with them but they were open to talking about stuff with me and and but it was very much a you you only have sex once you're married like that's mm -hmm. that's the the way to do it which was an yes. interesting one because i remember being a teenager and being like did you have sex after it was the first time you had sex after after you were married and they were like they both went very quiet and i was like uh, oh, 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 i see i, see I should have is. asked questions like that <laughs> i was too afraid to <laughs> yeah just just throwing it in there just being like all right let's let's call out some hypocrisy shall we <laughs> let's t turn these tables around so i'd how, be very curious so how old were um, you when that the the like the sex education started because i obviously i don't want to uh, assume like ages and stuff like that but like a, a period being very scary as as it is for many people with vulvas especially if they don't know what is happening and don't know what's coming that yeah opens up a lot of questions i can imagine they might not to be tmi but my period was about 13 and mm -hmm. then i think our sex talk was probably 15 mm-hmm I was about to say, the like, interesting thing is TMI on this podcast, so you're good. You're okay, all right. <laughs> okay, good. There, this is embarrassing, um, but I don't. This is maybe a good way to kind of explain stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought Santa was real until I was like 14. Okay. I had I had inklings that. Oh wait, I don't. Sorry, if someone still believes that Santa's real, um, it he is. Um, but yes, also, I didn't. I, I I found out much later than like many other people my age i think a lot uh, of skepticism and questioning happens because of social groups though like yeah. somebody will question something and somebody will be like actually do you know what that's true actually and and it'll just start to spiral and that's when the i remember having the conversation about santa quite a young age because one of my friends was absolutely adamant that it didn't so i can i can see how if you didn't have that you, you why would you question it yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I knew deep down in my gut, but, yeah. you know, you I've been trying to hold on. I know. I was like, I got to keep the magic alive for as long <laughs> as possible. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was. Um, yeah. So I think it was about 16 that I had my talk, 15, 16. And it was just this is disgusting. And I didn't gross. know about masturbation. I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I didn't learn any of that. And I don't know if that is actually traditionally taught in schools. Masturbation, or... no. no. Yeah, I don't think that they usually talk about that. In but, my like... experience of, of sex education, asking quite a few people about it and what have you, generally it tends to be the biology. Um, mm -hmm. This is how babies are made. Um, occasionally, if you've got a really good school, they'll talk about relationship dynamics. Um, so they'll talk about, like how it feels to be in a relationship breaking up if you're not feeling things are right um that kind of thing but again it's it's really dependent because i know that a lot of places 
like there are all of these classes that happen either through a science or through some kind of social science there are uh, parents have the option to remove their children from it yeah so you will have kids that are like no i do not believe this is appropriate for my child which is entirely fair like that's that's a, a parent's prerogative to do that um however as a result they don't get the same information and it's i think it's extremely harming to to not have that for for everybody you know like yeah and i i think the majority of what i had in that dvd program was like how the sperm reaches the egg it was that kind of education not about what your body does yeah like in general so it was very it was one day i remember it was like one I don't want to call it an episode, but the DVD started to feel like episodes after a while. Yeah. Um, so it was like one classroom uh, day about just this is how the, the sperm reaches the egg and fertilization and that kind of stuff. But it wasn't about your body's changes and things like Oh, so you didn't puberty. get anything on like puberty or anything? It was very basic. It was just like you're going to go through changes, your hor your hormones change, but nothing to like kind of prepare you for more than like you know you're gonna you're gonna grow breasts and you know a woman goes through a cycle once a month it was just very like a couple paragraphs in a book good lord i like we recently watched a, a 1980s irish catholic one it was very much a they hug in a special way like we, the, they the hug man, in a special yeah. way the man puts it's... his penis and gives the semen gives the sperm to the woman as a little gift yeah i'm like what? <laughs> when does that happen what <laughs> so, it's very they find ways to kind of put it behind curtains so that it seems i don't know I, I don't know it's just a weird way of doing it because i don't understand why they can't just be more forthright about it because it's a very human thing that everybody in theory might experience at some point in their lives it's i think a lot of it comes down to Again, I'm I'm speculating just based on on uh, people I've spoken to and what have you. A lot of it comes down to the idea that if you tell teenagers about it, they'll want to try it. And yeah. unfortunately, a lot of these parents think that the less that teenagers know about it, the less they'll try it. But the fact of the matter is, we we all do. <laughs> we all yeah. you start learning and you start questioning and you like, do you know, oh, especially if you've got um like uh specific people you're interested in you're like oh this feels good and hell like there's especially when you were talking about like masturbation earlier there's a lot of people that and a lot of children as well that like masturbate and they don't know what it is they don't know what it what like what's going on or that it's a sexual thing it's just yeah it feels good you know mm -hmm. that's that's all they really care about you're talking toddlers and and um between five and ten year olds and stuff because again they, they don't know what it is they don't know what's going on but they know it feels good and that's that's all that really matters to them yeah i just my personal opinion is that if everybody got a little bit more education i think a lot of people could make a lot safer and more educated decisions for what works for them i could not agree more could not agree having more. stuff so like hide like hidden like you got to figure it out because in college i can't remember her name doctor was it dr ruth dr ruth was, yeah yeah she someone had a show it was like an older elderly yeah, woman it was and Dr. people Ruth, would call yeah. in yeah 
people would call in. And I remember it was on 11 p.m. And I would, this is when I had my own apartment and I would put it on and I feel like I learned so much and it destigmatized so much about sex because I didn't know a lot of these things. Like what kind of thing? Because I've not seen any of Dr. I know her because she is famous mm-hmm. in the sex education world um, as one of the first people really in, in modern history that went out of their way to just be like, look, let's destigmatize this. Let's, let's, this is the information you need to know. What kind of thing was there? Mm-hmm. And I suppose, what was it like for you to see someone be so open about it, so forthright and not guilty? <laughs> oh, guilt is a big thing for me that I, I am always working on, but like it helped me realize like, oh, these things are natural and they're not supposed to be taboo. And I think I still was guilty. Like I felt like I shouldn't be watching this. Like it was one of those things like, am I going to get caught? (laughs) Um, But I just started watching it and I I felt like it also kind of pushed me to try. I went to a human sexuality class in college and I loved the teacher because she just talked about it so frankly. And she just was so like, this is what happens. And she talked about everything. Like it was just about people's preferences. This is how sex works. People's uh, just like kinks, just talked about porn, like stuff that would not have been a point of discussion in my life otherwise. I felt like that class helped me go, okay, there's so much out there. And it it wasn't presented in a way that made you feel like this, oh, I shouldn't be talking about this. It was presented in a way that like, hey, this is part of life. And this is a way that you can learn more about it. And I think that class and also Dr. Ruth helped kind of lift my eyes away from that feeling of just being, I don't know, I struggled with guilt a lot with sex, but it was something that it helped start giving me the steps I needed to move past the guilt with it. And this is, I suppose, without, oh, uh, this is probably the point where like we kind of bring in that, that whole element of for for lack of a better term religious trauma like the and Mm -hmm. this is this is something that happens with uh, not just sex but a lot of things a lot of people who have been brought up with um religious religion as a staple part of their upbringing the 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 way that it's affected their perspectives on perfectly normal things the and and guilt being Mm -hmm. a massive massive part of that um i kind of fortunately went the other way (laughs) i was just like oh it's taboo therefore interesting um but i was very lucky in that regard but i i meet a lot of people that really struggle with guilt is that something yeah and it wasn't just guilt but sex okay yeah i feel like um Sorry, it lagged for a second. Um, I feel like in general, it it's guilt with um, sex, but it's just like like guilt with a lot of things, just falling out of line, not doing things just so or in a in a perfect way. But with sex specifically, religion is something where they they push it on you to say like you're you're not supposed to like this or enjoy it or look at it or even perceive it until you're married, and then you're just supposed to remove all of those feelings and be free. And enjoy it with your partner and i feel like that's such a hard thing for people to just put a stop on 
and go, okay, I can forget all these things that I was told was bad for years and years and years. And now I can just enjoy this. And then the thought is if you, you aren't, if you didn't make it to marriage and you did do things before you got married, like that whole guilt of feeling like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't stay pure until I'm, I was married. And religion has a way of just kind of making you feel bad about a lot of things and then going, well, once you get to the right, once you do the right thing, you ask for forgiveness of your sins, you do blah, 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 then you're okay. And then you can just forget all of that. But it's, it doesn't work like that. Brains don't work like that. It's like hardwired after years and years and years of being told these things, you're not, you're not going to just be able to flip a switch and it's fine. Not by any stretch of imagination. And just for the purposes of our, our wonderful listeners and watchers uh, here today, like that we will never criticize anybody having their own faiths and their own mm-hmm. bits and pieces. But I will always have a question when it comes to um, organized religions and the way that it's used to make people feel certain ways. Like, I will always question yeah. um, humans' ability to manipulate religion for whatever gains they may have. Your faith, beautiful thing. Religion itself, mm, <laughs> I, have, I have questions. Um, you know, but yeah. And it is that, that whole dynamic, like you say, of just being like, oh, well, now it's fine. It's great. Now, now you're married. Well done. You've, you've succeeded. And I think that, like, as, as somebody as well who's like oh, like quite a, a filth wizard as they say um i <laughs> genuinely have a, a major issue with that um because from my point of view from my perspective as somebody who's who is very um sexually driven shall we say like sexual chemistry is mm-hmm. a massive thing is a is a big thing between me and and in relationships i've had in the past and what have you and it always makes me wonder, and I'll never, I'll never say that it's, it's the be-all and end-all, because it definitely isn't. You need a hell of a lot of things to make a relationship work properly. But it always makes me wonder about what happens if you get with somebody and get married to them and commit yourself to them for the rest of your life, and it turns out you are just not sexually compatible at all. And, like, yeah, the, the frustrations that that can add to a dynamic uh, is is quite high to say the least um and you we, yeah especially and in I this think, day and age oh no please no i was gonna say like i didn't wait fully till marriage <laughs> mm-hmm. and i used to feel so guilty and ashamed of that um even till after we were married i used to feel um like i did it wrong and i felt a lot of guilt about it but I look back now and I'm honestly like, I don't feel guilty about it anymore. I don't feel ashamed about it anymore because I feel like I was safe. We were in a consenting relationship and we were, for lack of a better term, just exploring each other and and enjoying that time in our relationship where I feel like I was told to be ashamed of for so long. And I just feel like I had to work through that though. Like even after we were married to not feel so guilty and ashamed of not waiting um, until we were married. But at the same time, I, 
I think a lot of people deprive themselves of it. And like you're saying, like, if you get married to somebody you're not sexually compatible with, um, I think a lot of people just deal with it because then if you're also going into those relationships, um, you feel like that's the bond and that's what I've made my choice for forever. And I mean, I guess there's always divorce if, if it came down to it, but it's probably a very difficult, difficult situation to be in. You're like, I did this all right. And we're just not vibing on that level would be such a hard thing to work through in a marriage. To be fair, from what I understand, it really depends on the, on the first of all, the religion, um, the, the, because there's an awful lot of religions out there where divorce is not recognized at all. And yeah. therefore you're kind of stuck in a rut and it's like, okay. And it, it just, but then I also suppose there's, there's an element of what do you actually know about sex? Like, like you mm -hmm. say, if you've not had those, um, sexual, the, the, um, sexuality courses, uh, human, human sexuality courses, was that, was that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. And the the information from Dr. Ruth and stuff like that, would you even have questioned what should be good, what shouldn't be good to people enjoying themselves? Is it just something that you're meant to do because that's what a, a husband and wife should do? Yes. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always have a lot of questions when it comes down to, to, to stuff like that. If you don't mind me asking, how long were you dating before you started to to get to a point where you were trusting of each other in an intimate fashion. Um, I'm trying to think. I think it was like six months. So okay. we didn't just like jump into it. Mm. Um, we dated for four years. Um, and in that time period, we did go through phases where we're like, we have to go to church more and we have to, you know, deprive ourselves of this which i i don't think is a healthy thing to do um looking back but it's one of those things where i'm like we were just told a lot of stuff growing up and then we're trying to do the quote unquote right thing yeah um which i don't think works really for everybody so you were you're both um I won't speculate on your, your current beliefs and faiths and what have you, but you were both at the time very devout Christians. I, I don't see, I didn't even grow up that religious. It was kind okay. of just, oh, like I went to church growing up. We moved so frequently, we would go to different churches. So I wouldn't even say I had a denomination, mm -hmm. but it was just, there are moments in time that church was used, um, you know, like for, no sex before marriage or like this is the right things to do like we had a very christian tone to our home yeah. like good christian people um my husband grew up catholic and um he he and his family were a little bit more loosey-goosey about stuff mm -hmm. so if anybody was driving it was probably me and my guilt because and mark has always been great about being supportive of me and being like if this is something you want to do and it's he would support me in that um, so a lot of times it was probably more driven by me than him to just, oh gosh, we got to go do the right thing, whatever the right thing in quotation marks, um, in regard to religion. And so now I'm, I don't go to church. I, if I have any religious anything, it's my own relationship, my own spirituality. I don't believe I need to be in a building with other people talking about it in order to have that relationship. And I've been let down by a lot of people in churches, unfortunately. And I always tell, like, I talked about this on my stream the other day. 
I never, if you have your own religion, your own faith, like I never want to make anybody feel like that's not okay if it's what works for them. But what works for me is not being in an organized religion. It just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. And I think I gave it the good old college try. Oh, <laughs> Probably well, more yeah. than the good old college try. <laughs> at one stage, I was a, an altar boy up at the front doing all the bells and the gongs and the passing of wine. And nowadays I'm running fetish nightclubs. So, you know, <laughs> can only really <laughs> say one. We all evolve. <laughs> <laughs> Completely and utterly, you know. It's got, it's got to be done. It's yeah. got to be done. That's, yeah. And so how was if you don't mind me asking again like how's your journey of this traversing of the guilt going and and were there any like breakthroughs where it was just like do you know what done done is done oh well yeah i think i never had any big breakthroughs i think it's a slow process of kind of a painful process too um unfortunately like all of this stuff that i i had to work through um, caused for me something called vaginismus, which is pain during sex. Mm-hmm. I'm and it's a physiological it. response that I've had to go to physical therapy for and work through. And it's been very frustrating, to be honest. And it is such a taboo thing to talk about because it's like sex is supposed to be enjoyable and like all of that. And I've, I've, I've had a lot of pain with it. And it's not caused by... A disease or anything like that it's because of the stress and the guilt and the mental blocks that i've had so i've had to work through that and that's not something i think people talk about enough of yeah. or hopefully destigmatize for other people because i know i'm not the only person who's experienced it it's and pe- like conversations common. i've had yeah and sometimes a lot of women I know will just push through the pain and never really talk about it, never really do anything about it. And um, it's frustrating to me because I'm like, the reason I struggle with this is because of how my relationship with sex from the get-go has been and the guilt and all of that stuff. So it is one of those things where I feel hopefully by telling people or being more open about it maybe it'll make others not feel so alone with it or that it's not you're there's nothing wrong with you if you have to deal with those things and just very quickly for for those that are listening uh, vaginismus is a condition the where the the vaginal muscles clamp up when it comes to um anything to do with like sex and what have you and like we were just discussing, it makes things very, very painful for any kind of penetrative um, sex as as a whole. And it is, there are some medical conditions that can cause a uh, a medical situation that is like the vaginismus, um, where there is a clamping of the muscles and stuff. But the vast majority of uh, cases, as I understand it, are specifically to do with um, stress, trauma, anxiety, um, combinations of all of the above. And a lot of it does come down to the way that people with vulvas have been taught to deal with sex um, and what to expect from sex. And and yeah, it's it's actually very, very common. Um, I say very common. It's surprisingly common. A lot of people haven't heard of it, and that always shocks me, um, to, to say the least. So, yeah, yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea. I hope that everything is going better for you. 
Um, I'm glad that you are with somebody who is delightful and glorious. How how was how was yeah, the being with some yeah. being with a partner? Oh, no, I was just saying being with somebody whose understanding is huge and having. I mean, I will forever be grateful for my husband because he's just patient and loving and doesn't make me feel like there's something wrong with me. And I think that's been a huge a huge thing for me. Yeah, and that's really important because. Yeah. The patience and understanding is paramount to stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, my little heart. Especially when you're trying to work on getting... Get what? I said, oh, my little heart. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. And I think recently Megan Trainer, I'm not a big Megan Trainer fan, but she came out and talked about how she had vaginismus. And I was like, you know what? Good for her. But then I went to the comment section and the amount of people just talking about missing the point completely um, and just talking about how gross she was and all these other things like, wow, TMI. And I'm like, nobody talks about these things because of that reaction that people get. Um, At least that's my perception of it. But I've noticed the more that I kind of wade into the waters and bring things up, I'm like, I think that this is something that people don't suffer with in silence a lot or suffer with alone a lot and kind of feel like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Um, but yeah, the moral of the story is don't look at the comment sections <laughs> of things um, um, yeah. on the or, internet. Or be aware of the fact that people on the internet uh, uh, tend to be violent because they, there's no accountability. So they will mm-hmm. they will say things that they might find amusing regardless of whether they think it's right or not um because they they do tend to be like that um but we also have to remember that at one stage in history um nobody would talk about periods nobody would talk about orgasms nobody would talk about pleasure of any variety for women or people with vulvas they would like society is moving on and the more that we do openly talk about these things the better um and yeah yeah, don't try and argue with people on the internet because it's not worth it. <laughs> Trust. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not worth the stress. <laughs> Good lord. Ah, the worst. The absolute worst. <laughs> no, but it's, it's really, really good to, to hear you say that. And thank you very much for being honest about that um, because I know that it's not something, like you say, that people are happy to openly talk about for fear of the comment section, the dreaded comment section. Yeah, I... I, I didn't even know I was going to talk about it today, but it was one of those things where instead of being ashamed of stuff I'm learning and I've been going to therapy for a long time, I'm just, this is my story and we get a very limited amount of time on earth. And I, I don't know if somebody out there might hear it and go, oh my gosh, that's me too. And maybe they'll feel less alone like the moments that I felt really alone. So I don't know. I'm hoping that maybe by sharing that it'll, you're not the only person out there dealing with it and it's it's scary and it's frustrating but there are more more of us out there so i don't know it helps to for me to know that i wasn't the only one there was a book i read and there was testimonials in it because it's a book to try to work through things and i felt so much better reading those comments of other other people who had gone through the similar thing and like i'm fine i'm on the other side of it and because it's just like we all shy away from these things, especially 
I appreciate you doing this podcast because like people should talk about sex more. People should talk about these things more because it's it's a part of our lives. Like we shouldn't feel that shame that I feel and have felt a lot of my life. And so I just uh, I appreciate when people share their stories because I, I like I feel like it's helped me a lot. So maybe it'll help somebody else. I can guarantee it definitely will. I can guarantee it will because people always want to hear they they want to know about people's lives and especially when it comes to stuff like that it is that whole thing of just being like you're not alone you're not alone and yeah there are a bright future can you remember the uh, name of the book per chance yes it is called i actually have it like over here um completely overcoming vaginismus and it's really great book if anybody is dealing with it um, it's hard to find resources as well. You can also see uh, pelvic floor physical therapists, um, which didn't really know that was a job until I started dealing with this, but um, they can help a lot with that issue as well. But this book alone goes through a lot of those methods that the physical therapists use as well. Um, but it's a great book and it's not a super hard read. And if it's somebody's dealing with it and needs more information, I would recommend that book. Do you know what? I will find that book, or if you could link me to it, or tell me, send me a photograph of it, and I will, um, I'll link it in the description for people. So if they want it, they can have it. Yes. Um, I'll definitely get that for you. Because if it can help people, then then it's worth it. It's worthwhile. So what is mm -hmm. now? Now we've come to the the crux of it. With all of these experiences, what is your current relationship to sex as a whole? Um. You know, I'm still working through some things, but I'm on that healing journey and um, hoping in the next bit that I'll be back on that. I, I feel like I've learned a lot of I've read a lot of books about sex. I've been learning a lot about things since college. Like I've always been on this like learning journey of sex doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to be a production. It can just be what it is. And that's OK. And I think all that pressure I put on that myself, all the stress I've been working to shed over the years. So I think I'm still working through a bit of those things. I'm, it's not the, the sexy thing people want to hear, you know, but it's my story. Um, it's something where I've had to do a lot of undoing of things. And so I'm still on that healing journey. I have a very patient partner and we're on the right path to getting to that liberation that yeah. I'm looking forward to having. Well, sex is ridiculous when we think about it. Like it's it's you're supposed to laugh. You're supposed to enjoy oh, it. God, it's yeah. not supposed to be uh, you know, like we see in the movies, because a lot of times it's not like that. <laughs> it's never like that. It's never like that. I was I was no. talking about this. Um in fact I talk about this quite often. Like it's it's ridiculous the amount of times you see like a sex scene in the movies and it's like Where's the foreplay? Where's that? Why is it always mm -hmm. instant raunch? Where's the build up to it? Where's the sleepy morning sex when you're both hung over and you don't know what's going on? Just like there's so much more to sex than than what you see in the movies, and it's so important, so important that people do laugh. Yeah, they do have a giggle. They do do ridiculous things because at the end of the day, if you think about like the actual process of sex. It's ludicrous. Mm -hmm. It can be the sexiest, hottest, most erotic thing ever. And it can also be the stupidest set of giggles you've ever had with somebody. Like, it's just yeah. such a... 
an amazingly versatile thing, and I, I love it very much. <laughs> very, very much. Yeah. You know? It's, it's about good. connection, and that's what's important. And it doesn't always have to be penetrative if you're also dealing with, you know, something like vaginismus. There's other ways to share those sexy moments with somebody um, um, and have it not, you yeah. know, like just be creative. <laughs> we, I actually did a, a full seminar on, it was a, an hour long seminar on how, on what is sex? What is sex as a whole? And we went through the biology of um, like penetrative sex, how babies are made. We went through the biology of um, like a vulva and a penis and, and bits and pieces. And then we concluded it all at the very end with talking about different types of sex, different sex with people with different genitalia or the same genitalia um, and, and stuff. And it basically comes down to it's, it's an intimate moment between two or more people of consenting elements just... Who, who consenting adults doing things that they they love doing that make them feel good that that can be like that closeness and it is it's it's what you want it to be it doesn't have to be penetrative by any stretch of the imagination it's beautiful and liquid li yeah, ridiculous i wish that was the video yeah and i wish that was the video i had when i was in high school so. <laughs> no it's brilliant it's brilliant because like when you when you talk about all these like like sex education and stuff like that. Nobody ever talks about something like a queef. Do you know what I mean? No one talk, talks about a little, <laughs> yes. little vulva fart. No one, no one talks about that stuff. That that's ludicrous and hilarious. No. And when it happens, good lord, it's brilliant. It's absolutely amazing. Why? Because it takes all attention out of something, mm. or it makes attention worse. It really depends <laughs> on the dynamic, you know. <laughs> the uh, the queef heard around the world. I don't know. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because yeah. it it is ridiculous. It's like the actual the actual act itself is is a preposterous act, and yet it's easily one of the most beautiful things that um, people can share together, and and something that you you need to giggle at, you need to laugh at, you need to to do that because otherwise the, the the apprehension just gets far too much. In my personal experience, anyway. Yeah. You know. But it's good. No, I I would agree with that. Just if anybody takes anything away, just don't put so much pressure on it. Just just don't <laughs> don't do <Yeah>. that. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. And also take things slowly. Like Jesus, there's no rush. <laughs> People always rush things. Good lord. Yeah. I know. I know. But uh, thank you very much, KPP, for coming and joining me today. You Thanks beautiful for having individual. Me. No, it was absolutely my pleasure, and and I really really appreciate. Um, there were some other things that I wanted to chat to you about, but I, we could go down all kinds of tangents and, and stuff. <laughs> so, like, um, the, yeah. the last thing I do want to know, though, like, how did you actually meet your husband? Oh, I met him in college. Um, we were on the same floor. It was a co-ed floor. And uh, I had a Blink-182 I used to print pictures out and do my wall art with that. So mm -hmm. I had a Blink-182 thing and I put it on my door because I'm like, this is an interest I have. Um, and he saw that. And then he he immediately was like, I, I want to be with her. And so we met that way. And he used to do this thing where he'd come to my room and he would bring a mug with him. And then as he's leaving, he'd squat down and leave the mug. And then he'd, be, he'd have to come back for the mug. So he would do that with a whole bunch of different items. Um, but yeah, I met him when I was 18 in college. That is... And he had blue hair. Delightfully cute. <laughs> and how long have you been together now? Yeah. I'm... I think I'm one of the... Like, you know how people forget their anniversary? Like, I forget my... 
date when I got married. Like I know when I got married, just not the year. Um, I think this year, I think it's like 16 years. Wow. My gosh, is it really? We started dating. Is it sad that I need a calculator for this? Um, Today's 2023. We started dating 2007, 16 years. 16 years. We've been together. That's beautiful. College sweethearts. You are yeah. like a romance novel. The the pair of you, aren't you? That's it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I feel like with out of everybody I could have ended up with, I feel like he's the best thing for me. And, you know, it's one of those things where he he brought me a burrito and a muffin on stream today. So it's like, you know, he shows me he cares in a lot of different ways. And so I feel like I, I got pretty lucky. And he tried Twiglets for you. He did. I actually really like them. I I wasn't sure at first, and then I kept eating them. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how it starts. That's how it always starts. Well, KPP, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for talking very openly about um, your experience through all of this. I have a million billion questions because I always do. Um, but we have come to the end of the time, which is unfortunate, to say the least. I realize there's a little bit of lag, so I'm trying to give time for oh, you to catch you up. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, thank you very much for being here, and thanks so much for being on it, open and honest, and this wonderful community you brought over. And and well, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, where can people find you, KPP? Um, you can find me on Twitch at Katie Peters Plays on Twitter at Play Katie Play. All my links are underneath my my Twitch. If you go to my channel, and I also have two podcasts myself, Quantum Drive and Katie hasn't seen that. But uh, go listen to all Valen's episodes. Go all the way back to Thirsty Work and listen from episode one. We talk about a great many variety of things, and, and it was great to have you turn around and just like, yeah, so it uh, might not be what you're after, but we could talk about this. And I'm like, yes, yes, 100%. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's about. This is what it's about. For those people that are watching and listening, I will, of course, put the wonderful links to um, all of KPP stuff. Uh, that's KPP's place. Um down below in the description, you glorious individuals. So thank you so much, um, KPP. And uh, thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Oh, 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 I need to do the promo thing that I forget. I've literally on season two, episode eight, and I keep forgetting. Friends, if you'd like to rate us and give us thumbs up and or stars and stuff, I'd appreciate it. I'll leave a comment. I'll do those things. I never remember to do that. So <laughs> it's, it's wild. It's wild, you know?